If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Hour number two, Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3, Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Good to be with you. Thanks for joining us. Hope this finds you doing well. I said it last hour. I'll say it here. Happy opening day. Happy start to the Masters. And happy as we move forward to spring football, Florida State spring game weekend. Yes, looking forward to it. A lot on the ledger, but most of these things are all things that we celebrate together and get excited about. So a reminder, as I mention it again, of what we're doing tomorrow. It begins tomorrow. The festivities begin tomorrow for spring football weekend for Florida State. We have the show, obviously, 1 to 3 tomorrow. And then after the show, I'll make my way over to Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. I will uh, join up with my good friend and colleague, Corey Clark, and we will sit down and have a happy hour get-together at Corner Pocket Bar and Grill from 5 to 6, really just sort of a hanging out with fellow Knowles and having some cold ones and celebrating the spring game and maybe answering some questions and all that good and stuff. And on the TVs, you'll be watching Tiger finish up round two. You will be. Will he make be, the cut? Yeah, we'll see. We'll be watching that. We'll be watching Major League Baseball as it is opening day. So that gets the festivities started. That is tomorrow, Jeff Cameron Show, 1 to 3, followed by War Chant Happy Hour Live from 5 to 6 at Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Then on Saturday, again, big day on Saturday, obviously, you want to get it started right? At noon, Hotel Indigo, myself, Tom Wang, we will be there for the pregame show, and preparing for the pregame show. There's a meet and greet hangout uh, from, from 12 o'clock. Uh, to one o'clock, and then we're on the air. But uh, you know, you're welcome to hang out with the others uh, from staff and, and and all that good stuff till three. Uh, we will be there at Hotel Indigo twelve to three. Uh, then we make our way on over to the game and to uh, Doe Campbell Stadium, Bobby Bowden Field. Walk in there and uh, watch that spring game if you are unable to go. And you'd like to watch along, you can. You can watch along with Gene and Tom. That is the War Chant Watch Along beginning at 5 p.m. And afterwards, if you just want to join up with your fellow Knowles and kind of talk it through and maybe ask them questions or make some observations of your own, you can do so with the War Chant post game call in show after the game. So we got you covered beginning tomorrow, all the way through the weekend. And we're excited to do all of that. So it should be fun going to be a jam-packed uh 36 hours there it'll be good and there's a lot going on this weekend 
you know, the, with baseball and Masters weekend on top of the spring game, plus the weather here is going to be gorgeous. It's this you got it that feeling. Is, yeah, there's an energy in the air for me in October with sports because you've got big games being played in college football in the NFL. You've got the World Series, NBA and hockey have begun. So just there's so much going on. You you almost can't you know process all of it that's that it's happening at one time. And then in April, there's a little window again where it's a lot like that. Different Kinda sports. Kind of over, gets you through. Yes, but th- this is the one of those weekends of the year where, you know, if I had my druthers, I'd rather the spring game be next weekend or, or a different weekend for the Masters. But when you have baseball beginning, the Masters on television, the NBA stretch run of the regular season where they start to actually care and play tough for 48 minutes, and, and the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs typically begin around now, this is a great spot on the calendar. So hopefully you come find us during all of these events that we have. For those that did not read Corey Clark's Warchant.com piece, uh, I'll quote from it and then talk about some of this just because of where we're at in assessing. There's practice again today. It's not like the other practices. I don't think it's going to be nearly as intense as the ones that we've been fortunate enough to attend and assess the play and give context for. And, of course, there is actually a pseudo-practice tomorrow, more of a walkthrough than anything else is my guess. Uh, because and that's close to us. That's close to us anyhow. So, really, today's the last day to go over and watch practice. I was there, obviously, on Tuesday, and they got after it. And I think that was the last real intense practice. Weather forced them inside for half of it. Um, but, the, the, you know, the, again, strong points for this defense that continues to play well. Uh, the intensity, Mike, uh, Coach Norvell was right. It, it was there. The intensity was there. They got after it. It's just that it was a one-sided affair favoring the defense. Uh, to Corey's point, talking about the offense in his piece on Warchant.com, of the 58 Power 5 teams who reached eight wins the last two seasons, guess how many scored less than 27.6 points per game? And by the way, last year, Florida State averaged 27.6 points per game. Um, that's right. The number is 11. 11 of the 58. 11 of the 58 teams who won eight games did so while scoring less than 27.6 points. That's 19%. Uh, the vast majority scored over 28 points a game, and you can go through and find more numbers. The teams that did win that many, by the way, had dominant defenses, and it doesn't surprise you because we watched it with our own eyes. Clemson couldn't score last year. Their quarterback wasn't any good, but their defense sure was. They had the number two scoring defense in the country. They basically won every week because of their defense. Um, Wisconsin, who is unwatchable, Every year. Offensively, I can't stand them. It's gross. Their quarterbacks always suck. It's just ugly. They had the number one scoring defense. Uh, They have to because their offense puts them in terrible predicaments. Minnesota. Minnesota. Basketball. There it is. I'm retired now. Yeah. They had the number 10 scoring defense in the country, which helped offset all of the injuries they suffered on the offensive side of the ball, which saw that thing fall off a cliff, including that uber-talented running back that played so well on opening night and then got hurt. Uh, Iowa, which is Iowa, their offense always sucks to high heaven, and it did again last year. Their quarterback stinks. They had the number six scoring defense. But their defense raises hell. Their defense does raise hell. They have the number 16 scoring defense. So you get the point. Florida State's not going to have a top 10 defense. They're going to have a pretty good defense, I think. Uh, it's it's a question of if we're trying to go from 5 and 7 to, to 8 and 4 or something along those lines, you know, what, what do you think you have to get to offensively? Because I do think the defense is going to be better and more consistent week to week. Um, 
and I do think the offense can be better, but it, it's going to have to be. And it's primarily it starts with Jordan Travis being better, uh, throwing the football on obvious passing downs in rhythm. The dropback passing game has to be an added element uh, to his overall game because if it is, then he's a true dual threat quarterback. Well, it's a cop out answer for me here because I, I agree with all those points, but. Offense isn't the only face of the game that scores points. The defense can by giving you short fields. Special teams can oh by God. not being awful. Yeah, and that's Try one to pick thing. Up a punt. You can't. There's no way to break down special teams in spring. The only thing you could say no. is that Micah Pittman looks comfortable catching a punt, which is different than just about anybody who's been here the last five years, no matter the coaching staff. So that's good. But beyond that. They worked on special teams a ton last year and the year before that. Oh, I, I, I go. So, you see me. I walk out of the room when they work on special just, teams. Yes, you do. You literally do. I leave. So just because they spend a lot of time on it doesn't mean they're going to be better. But those things add up to aptitude on defense to get an offense off the field before they get two or three first downs or special teams making a play here or there can give the offense 50 yards of field to go cover before they score points or 30 yards. And that will help you incrementally by... I think four to six points a game if you're much better on special teams and you have an improved defense. So that's how you get to the – you don't have to do it all with Jordan Travis is my point. I think they're going to be better, but if you're better in each phase of the game, you're going to have a much greater yes, chance. Yes, you make life so much easier. You can also get more possessions with more stops. It so. is the ultimate team game, man. Say it all the time, and it's because it's true. You really are dependent on the other people and or segments and aspects of the game for your overall success. So it's not just Jordan getting better in the passing game. You're right. It's it's the defense providing short fields. It's special teams. It's all those things. Um, you know, I, I there's no way. I will say this. We spend a lot of time trying to predict what part of the team is going to be appreciably better than it was a year ago or, or better at all. Which part of the team is going to be worse? How does that affect the overall record? All these things, right? There is zero chance, I'm going to say it right now, there is zero chance that they are not vastly improved when it comes to special teams this year. Zero chance. Vastly improved? See, that's interesting. Now, if you said improved, yeah, well, of course. How could you not be better? But vastly improved. If you catch the punts, Okay, we're going to start there. If you catch <laughs> right? the punts, right, okay, right. we're just starting with the catching of the punt. If you catch them, you're improved. If, if you catch them and, God forbid, move forward with the ball in your hand, not backwards, not sideways, forward, you matriculate the ball forward, say five yards off of a punt. Just I'm going to give you five yards, Tom you're improved even more than right, you were yeah. incrementally improved just by catching. So it. let's say that that yeah. point of the catch is your own 35-yard yeah. line. And now right? now you got it at the 40 right. because of your 5-yard return. Instead of the 9 because you let it bounce. Do you see the difference between the 9 and the 40, everybody? The 9, well, that's a lot to overcome. You're going to have to go 91 yards to score a touchdown. It's going to be a toughie. Don't see a lot of 91-yard drives in football these days. You don't. They do exist, but they don't happen with any great frequency. Whereas if you have the ball on the 40, Tom, 60 yards. That's a big difference. Are you doing the four-state math? I'm here with you, man. That's like almost 31 yards better. 
It's amazing. 31 fewer yards for which to traverse on your way to pay dirt. Mm-mm. Sure sounds like fun to me. It is, uh, it's just that much. The catching and the moving forward of five yards equals vastly improved. <laughs> okay. That's how it works, buddy. So it's my sincere hope that it's mandated to Tom Block or whomever succeeds Gene Deckerhoff that you must say pay dirt, not touchdown. Oh, yeah. You like that I used pay dirt? Mm-hmm. Travis rolls to his right, fires the end zone. Pay dirt! Pay dirt! <laughs> <laughs> we found it. Yeah, I saw, I saw, I don't mind saying this. I, I saw uh, Tom Block. I've seen Tom Block several times over at uh, the practices. I, I have told him that uh, I've endorsed him publicly, privately. I have uh, slammed doors over at the Athletic Center. I'm Jeff know. Cameron and I approved this yeah, message. I have. I've said uh, that's what I want. And, um, and I hope he gets it. We'll see. But if he does, uh, the, the, the exciting part of all that about Tom getting it uh, is that if he gets it, is that uh, I will have direct connections to uh, to the well? I already do with Gene, but Gene was at a place where he was already a superstar long before I broke into the business. So I I, I couldn't you know he wasn't a cohort as much as he was an, a legend. He was he's way up here. I'm just trying to make my way. Whereas Tom was also in the business before me, but not much more before me. And we would drink beers together after work. So I feel like it's a cohort, you know. And I can say to him. Hey, Tom, this weekend when we score, can you work in some pay dirt? Can you work in a little bit of pay dirt, buddy? Uh, and uh, and I think I think it may work. I think yeah. it may work. For a rushing touchdown from the one, you pounding the pay dirt? Mm-hmm. Ooh, there you go. Well, yeah. I like it. Yeah. So uh, there's, nothing, there's nothing not clean about that, too. It just sounds worse than it actually is. Gavon brought up the fact that he, he wants to hire me because I gave you a very simple explanation using numbers as to how we were going to be that much better. And, and let me tell You're you. are a new analyst yeah, on the staff. Yeah, I like it. But, you know, let me tell you something. Um, uh, wouldn't it be a funny practice for everybody um, if you guys were there and, uh, and I was hired and I'm like, guys, guys, listen up. A little special teams for you. A little special teams, everybody. Let me break it down. If you catch the punt, and I go through the whole thing. If you just catch it, can anybody here catch a punt? Micah, come on over. Let's let's show the boys how it's done. And then I have them kick punts and uh, punt punts. And then my man is over here. I'm looking at the way he's catching them, guys. That's what we're looking for. The catching of the punt. Micah, great job. Anybody else think that you can catch a punt? Let's see. Volunteer now. Let's punt some to you. All right, so then we find a couple of guys. Say Jamie Robinson did it in high school. He was all world at it. Jamie, can you catch him? All right, here we go. So we've got guys back there catching him. Now, now the second part of this is once you have secured the punt, firmly secured the punt, like we just witnessed here from Micah, I want you to run forward. Now let me show you what I'm talking about. <laughs> that I would just run forward. Like, there it is. That's what we're looking for around here. It's how championships are built. The catching and the running. There it is. That's what we're doing. Got it? Over by the sidelines, Mike Norvell pulls the sunglasses down, (laughs) looks at the boosters, winks, and says, best in the business. We got us one. Best in the business. We got us a guy. And then I go, all right, on to segment two. Good job, everybody. That's special teams for today. That is special teams. I don't want to put too much on you in one day. We're going to catch it, and we're going to go forward. That's all you need to know from today. Today, at the end of practice, I'll ask you what we learned. Make sure you're able to uh, regurgitate that. If the answer is catch it and move forward, today's a winning day.
Today we played winning football, at least in special teams. All right, now to the offense. That's it right there. I'm doing it. We've gotten better. 1% better every day. And tomorrow we may introduce blocking. We may block. If you see the, the name first. above the numbers, <laughs> don't touch them. If you see – one more time, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, do you ever play Mario Kart? You see how uh, Bowser's got spikes on his back? Yeah, you can't touch I them. want you to pretend that these players have spikes on their back. If you see their name, you can't touch them. That would be a penalty if you do. I used to like it when we blocked in the back in Mickey Andrews' day because when we blocked, and we always have, but when we blocked in the back, we let you know about it. I mean, there were some real shots taken. Like, if you're going to get that flag thrown on you, take a bitch out. I mean, take him out. Don't be over here half-stepping. Take a dude out. I believe that's what Mickey Andrews wrote on the chalkboard. (laughs) And it was a chalkboard. If you're going to be flagged, for an illegal block in the back, take him out. If I see some pussy footing, half stepping, Mickey Mouse, just pushy push. No, no, you will be running stadium steps for days. If you're gonna get that flag, that guy may need medical attention. That's the wrong Mickey. You're playing for the wrong <laughs> Mickey at that point. Don't play for the mouse. Yo, yeah, play for it, Mickey Andrews. Let's get after it. Uh, yeah. So there it is. That's uh, just an aside. Thought I'd point that out. Keep climbing. Where's LT Gray at? Do we know? I haven't I've been looking. Uh, he's career. got a par putt on 11. Right. Of eh, short to medium length. No score between the Cubs and the Brewers. It's the first Major League Baseball game of the year. It has started. We are underway in Chicago. Nothing, nothing. Yay, baseball. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. The Jeff Cameron Show is sponsored by the legendary team at Hamilton Home Loans. Great rates, cutting-edge technology, and transparent communication is the recipe for a five-star mortgage experience at fsuhomeloans.com. All right, let's uh, solve for the future with our friends from ISF. Well, I, listen, I love this song as well, but we got to move it along here. There we go. Uh, <laughs> it's a great song. I agree with you. It's also a great title for a song. But, uh, <laughs> but we got to move it along. Because ISF is a partner of the Jeff Cameron Show, and they're fantastic. And we uh, appreciate them. They're an IT and strategy firm here in Tallahassee. They've been doing this for over 40 years. They serve state government and business clients across the country, though. It's not just here. Uh, and they're experts in, in basically government processes, which somebody has to be. I wouldn't want to be. I'm glad they are. Agreed. Man. And so they've worked with these agencies across the country. They've unmatched expertise in developing strategies. I've given you actual uh, information and examples of the stuff that they've done. Uh, they uh, conducted a full audit of the DEO Connect system, which is responsible for processing unemployment and reemployment assistant claims. The surge in usage of the site when COVID hit revealed symptom uh, a system uh, improvement areas that they needed to get to because uh, it, it bogged things down. It had poor infrastructure and uh, they had to transition stuff to the cloud. So Basically, they modernized the uh, system components, made technology a lot faster. Newer technology works better, talks to each other better. And uh, with ISS recommendations, DEO is 
continuing to help and prepare for the future, thanks to ISF. And that's what they do. People basically, you know, you can find this out. They, they get their money back faster. And all of that. That's important. So ISF, ISF.com, check them out. Solving for the future, by the way, is uh, something we've talked about uh, a lot this spring. And uh, I, I know that this is unoriginal in that we've used this as a talking point a lot. But um, I, I think it's the answer is the transfer portal. This is a, a perfectly crafted segment for it. It is. <laughs> Solving for the future. Well, I think, okay, so how about we go through the segment groups that we could just check and say we're good. You're good there. You're good there. Shockingly, and as proof of growth, quarterback, check. Okay. All right. Running back? Check. Okay. Uh, receiver? I'd get one. Okay. I could go the, either r- way. The right one. Yeah. The right yeah. one. And it's because of the, the, the Winston uh, injury that, yep. that really, really set Well, especially back. if you could get another kick returner, because that's another thing that Winston Wright was going to bring to yeah. the table is yeah, kick yeah, return yeah. ability. Mm-hmm. Offensive line, no check. No check. No check at all. I would need three more to oh, check it. we've gone to three. Uh, well, not impressed with that group at all. Okay. And I'll tell you something, the biggest reason why. Dylan Gibbons is a good player, okay? That's it, that's all, everybody. That's it, that's all. There is, if it, it, we haven't seen enough of Caden Lyles. They're bringing him along very slowly, mm-hmm, okay? Mm-hmm. I, I'll just say that. So I don't know. He looks the part. He absolutely looks the part. I'm going to assume he's your starting center or at least a player on this offensive line, but until I see it on a day-to-day basis where they're not just easing him in and he's learning the offense and he can just go be 100% and 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 maul, I don't know. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. he's a we'll see. Yeah. Early in camp, I saw some flashes where I'm like, "Oh, that that's." Oh, you play. and I both, and I got yeah. excited, and then from there, we he was chucking little... D tackles into yes. right guards and individual drills, and the yeah. guards like, "What the hell, man? Don't do that!" Yeah, I'm not supposed to be engaged with anybody. Right. And Caden's like, "I don't give a rat's yeah. ass." Well, good. I need that Caden to show up again. Yeah. All right. Defensive interior. Nope. nope. Don't we're, need. We're good there. But yep. you know, that's you can never check. have too many guys. But I'd leave it alone for you now. Got seven or eight of them. Check. Yeah. yeah. Defensive end. If you had a bona fide, if you had a guy that you know is a producer at the Power 5 level come available, sure. Would have to be a bona fide impact player. Bona fide. Not, yes. Okay. Not, not a project. Right. You could take projects at other places, right. but not defensive. No. Okay. Linebacker? Yes, I'd take one. Me too. Even yeah. with the uh, realization, thank you again, Bradley, that uh, we got two years potentially out of Tatum Bethune. No, I don't no, care. Definitely take one. Because if he goes down, you're in you're, trouble. Yeah, you don't have depth. Yeah. Cornerback? No. Good. Yeah. Check. 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 We're good. Leave it alone. We're good. Yep. Safety? Leave it alone. Yep. Okay. I'm okay there too. Okay. Yeah. I Not think bad. I, I personally believe Sam McCall is going to be a safety before his time is up here. But anyhow, finally, tight end. Oh God, please go get as many as you can. Yep. Yep. No check. No, no check. For zero that. checks. Negative checks. They owe us. <laughs> no chance, buddy. No chance. So we just solved the future right there, and now they're just going to easily go out there and get those guys. It's going to be great. <laughs> Go see my friends at uh, ISF. If you're working in state government, you need uh, need some help here. Strategy, process, technology. They believe in you, and they'll help you uh, find your vision because your vision is great, and you want to do amazing things, and they want to help you get there. Chef Cameron Show coming up next. We'll talk with Jay Rebel. He is a local Tallahassean, uh, Tallahassean historian, golf expert. We talk some golf. It's Masters Week after all. It's next. <laughs> 
Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness, two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV, and all of you guys. We've been threatening to do this for a long time, Jay Revel and I. Just sit down and have a conversation about a shared passion, and we were supposed to get together some time ago, Jay. Uh, Masters Week is probably the best time to get together, so we're doing it now, and I appreciate that. If you don't know him, he's Jay Revel. He is a uh, PR wizard, but more importantly, a historian, a father, and probably Tallahassee's golfing buddy. It's a good way to put it. You're, you're Tallahassee's golfing buddy, man, and he's an author as well. And I read this book. I have not read the new one. The uh, I've read Nine Virtues of Golf. I want to read, and I'm going to, but I need you to give me a copy, Jay. Swing, walk, repeat. Uh, which is, in essence, a love letter to golf. You've also read his stuff um, either online or certainly maybe in the Tallahassee Democrat, where I remember you wrote a piece uh, about Masters Week and the Tallahassee connections. Uh, And I want to get to that because I think they're fascinating, and you unearthed some stuff there that maybe a lot of people, you know, they don't know. But uh, your your love affair for golf, when, when we read your stuff, one of the things that stands out, is that not just your knowledge of the game and your historian of the game, uh, but there's a um, there's a passion that goes beyond just getting together with friends. There's something uh, almost communal, something sort of spiritual about your love of golf, and it comes across in your writing. Did that happen at any point when you were a child at you know in Havana, or was this was this later in life that the connection? You weren't just Hey, I was playing. It was the town center. I felt like a, a big kid when I got to go there because my dad and everybody else was there. When did you connect, truly connect with golf in a way that is almost like I described spiritual? Yeah, well, first, I'm glad we were able to get together to do this. We haven't been uh, talking about it for a while. And thanks for having me. Um, you know, I, I, like you mentioned, I grew up over in Havana. Uh, golf was a real passion as a kid. You know, I had big PGA Tour dreams and all that kind of good stuff. And then uh, funny thing happened. I, uh, I went to Florida state and, uh, decided to kind of tuck the clubs away for a few years and focus on other endeavors. And, uh, you know, you, to answer your question, it, it really hit me, uh, when I got back into the game after college, uh, I always say my, my love for golf came back with a vengeance. Um, you know, being single, uh, with a lot of time on your hands, uh, for a few years there, had my young dog and, you know, needed something to go do with him. And all of a sudden the golf course, you know, started calling me again and, uh, started slipping back out, playing more with friends. And that's when I really kind of tripped down, uh, the rabbit hole. I started reading a lot more about the history of the game. I started learning more about golf course architecture. Uh, again, didn't have wives and kids back then and all that good stuff. So I got to travel a lot more and I started to go and try to compete, uh, you know, around the state and some amateur events and things like that. And that love for golf just really started to compound. And, you know, it's like anything else, right? You, you can kind of tell when you're having a conversation with someone who's well-traveled, right? Their uh, yeah. views on the world tend to be a little bit more open. Uh, the same is true for golf. You know, when you've gone around and you've played some pretty interesting places, both, you know, big bucket list places like Pebble Beach and then small little – tucked away uh, hidden gems that you might not have discovered otherwise. Uh, you just, your perception of the game changes. And then the other piece of it is, you know, 
Um, you think about all the things you go through in life. Uh, we're all searching for a lot of different things from a day-to-day basis. I have found, you know, some people go to the gym, some people meditate. Uh, I go to the golf course. Um, you know, I was in Pensacola last weekend hanging out with my in-laws, lovely folks. But, you know, I discovered Bubba Watson's Pensacola Golf Center uh, about a mile away. And that $11 bucket of balls is worth, I, I, you know, I, I'd, <laughs> I'd pay anything for it while I'm over there, you know. Um, it just brings me a real uh, calmness, a peacefulness. Uh, I, I think it helps me to connect both with myself and certainly my friends, God. Uh, you know, it's just that's where I go to find uh, that quiet that I can't really get anywhere else. And uh, the more and more I made myself sort of go out there and look for it, the more and more I found it. I think it's interesting because people seek the calm of which you speak in a lot of ways. You just named a few, obviously through exercise or meditation. In some ways, golf is a meditation if you're patient. Mm-hmm. Certainly, it's one of the virtues, as you noted. Um, but it also creates, for most people, an anxiety, Jay. And I'm curious how <laughs> I'm curious how you found your way through that. Now, playing at a young age and developing a swing, a repeatable swing in a game that you could fall back and, well, you're a good player. I know that for a fact. You're a real good player. I didn't pick up the game of golf till I was 26, which is probably far too late to ever be a great golfer, I, I don't suppose. But, but I can be a good golfer. I can be a decent golfer, and it's all how you define that. But if I'm playing well, and I bring this up on Masters Week because I think this is a week where people who have been interested in getting into the game Mm-hmm. And people who maybe thought, I'd like to do it. You know, I'm, I'm getting a little older. It's a game I can play late into my life, and I can be outdoors with people. I should try it. They often get frustrated, and I understand that because golf's hard. Um, the hardest thing for me is the mental aspect of golf, and, and I just love what you write about, the peace that comes over you on the golf course. But I think for a lot of people, there's anxiety, especially if you start playing well and you have real expectations, you know, if I'm playing poorly, Jay, I'll hit the best drive you've ever seen on number 18. Uh, it's a right-to-left beauty, three-plus, and it's like I'm in there, and Tom Lang, my cohort, will look at me and go, where the hell is that? And I go, it doesn't matter now. I'm shooting 92. But, but so the point is, how do you find that tranquility? How do you find that peace and that, that connection to the land, in your case, your trusty, uh, your trusty sidekick, your dog, or anybody you're playing with? How do you find that? You know, I think one of the most important um, pieces of that equation is walking. Um, you know, I, I love getting the, the six-pack, getting in the cart, cigar, music. I love it. That's fun. I have a lot of fun with that. I, now, that's a, different, that's a different day for me when I'm in that mode, right? Uh, that's the, another great thing about golf, right, is, you know, there's no one prescription fits all, you know, mode for it, right? You know, you got to kind of find the way that you love the game and that you're going to enjoy it the most and that it, you know, reduces your anxiety the most. But for me, the answer to that is walking, right? So when I go out, uh, whether it's seven clubs in the bag, going to play five holes, you know, in the last hour of the daylight, or if I've got, you know, push card engaged and, you know, I might have the six pack tucked in underneath, uh, <laughs> That, that to me, is when I am able to really work through all those anxious moments. Because, you know, what happens is, is when you're out there, you're, you know, when you're in a cart, it, it, it's almost, um, 
it's it's a it's just a different experience, right? You're not as engaged with one another if you're in there riding with someone. You're kind of focused on hey, when your partner's driving to his ball, you're kind of like, hey, I'm over here. I need to get over there. You know that kind of anxiety that happens between riding partners. So when you're walking, what happens is you know you divert to your balls, you go, you hit, you move on, and you kind of converge back as you're moving down through the hole. And what I've always found is that. There's this great expression in this book. If you've never read it, it's called Golf in the Kingdom. It's the number one best-selling golf book of all time. Uh, it's a wonderful book. It's it's a little trippy, but, you know, it's pretty cool. Um, and he talks about, the author, Michael Murphy, talks about in there that says that golf is a game for the in-between times. And he talks about that both through the uh, sense of in-between shots and also in-between the moments of your life, right? Uh, it's a pastime. It's an opportunity to check out for a little bit. And for me, when I'm walking, I get to enjoy that time between shots more. I can focus on what I've got to do both on the golf course. If I'm playing really good, I'm I'm keeping that focus. But, you know, these days I feel like, you know, more times than not, I'm thinking about the hundred other things I need to be doing <laughs> other than playing golf. But um, it, it just to me, that walking just allows you to have a better connection both with the land you're on with the people you're with mm -hmm. uh, and, and really with yourself, you know, it's just, it's just a less noisy variation of golf. And I, I have found that, um, you know, if I'm feeling anxious going for a short walk on a golf course really does cure that uh, in some pretty incredible ways. It's master's week, Jay. And I set out to drive to Augusta for the first time ever uh, the year you became a father, 2018. Uh, and oddly enough, and you'll be able to relate to this, it felt similar. <laughs> it yeah. felt that kind of special. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it was an amazing moment. I had never been, and I got an opportunity thanks to Trey Jones, the golf coach at Florida State, and a dear friend of mine that I do some work with. And I went up there, and I got to do more than most people get a chance to do, and it will stay with me for a lifetime. I don't say it as a, a flex or a brag. I say it, be, it really because I'm – forever grateful. Um, I, I got to see the place in a way that few get to. I got to go between the ropes. I got to go and I, I had a chance to talk to Jack. It was an amazing, amazing few days. Uh, I think back on it as my favorite thing ever, but that place <laughs> is special. You've been yeah. uh, more than once and I know you're still seeking to play, right? You, ha you haven't played it yet? I haven't hit it yet, but uh, we're always putting the feelers out, as we say. <laughs> well, I bring all of it up because you've written of the connections that Tallahassee has to Augusta National. And for those that haven't read it, you can go back and find Jay's stuff. Both social media, you've written about it, too. But, it, you know, the article in The Democrat a couple of years back was excellent. I had never heard of, for example, Downing Gray, uh, yeah. a 1961 graduate of FSU. I, I had no idea the history there and yeah. his accomplishments as an amateur and, and all of that. And it's fascinating. But I want to skip ahead because you and I have spoken of this briefly, but I find this immensely fascinating. There is a man named Bert Yancey you've written about as well. He's mm -hmm. the son of former city manager and uh, uh, really kind of honed his game there in Tallahassee, Capital City Country Club. How does one play elite-level golf and have an obsession to win at Augusta all the while we find out later on with a medical condition basically being bipolar? Golf is hard enough, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard enough, let alone fighting demons. That is remarkable. Tell the story of Bert Yancey. It is. It, it really is one of those sort of forgotten tales in golf that deserves a lot more spotlight. So like you said, Yancey grew up here. Uh, in Tallahassee. His father was the city manager. 
Uh, I think he had, you know, kind of grazing rights out at Capital City as a kid growing up. Um, and he became, you know, one of the more elite golfers in the state of Florida uh, as an amateur growing up. Uh, he actually went to West Point, played. He was the captain of the golf team at West Point. I mean, he was a brilliant, you know, young man. And that's where he had his, unfortunately, his first uh, bout with, you know, what then was called, you know, manic, being a manic depressant, bipolar, whatever, however you want to diagnose that. Uh, and he was actually institutionalized for a while while he was uh, at West Point. And when he got out, you know, they got him on some meds and he kind of, you know, sort of leveled back out and he got out himself out on the PGA Tour and had an incredible career. He won seven times on the PGA Tour. I mean, he won at Pebble Beach. He won at Dallas. He won all over the place. Uh, he was a, a very prominent guy. I mean, he had big time equipment deals with Dunlop, his own personal branded clubs and stuff. I mean, he was he was the real deal. Um, and he was, you know, he was a little odd, you might say. His person, his personality might have been a lot. And he had these bouts uh, with the bipolar disorder multiple times in his career. Uh, I mean, came dangerously close to winning the Masters on numerous occasions. Uh, 1967, he rushes out. He's got a uh, three-shot lead after day one, carries it pretty much all the way to Sunday, so it kind of slipped away from him. Uh, the following year in 68, uh, he's one shot out. of the, you, all, you all remember the uh, Roberto DiVincenzo signing for the wrong scorecard. Bob Golby wins the Masters. Well, one shot behind him was Bert Yancey. So, I mean, he's right wow. on the hills. Yeah, pretty crazy. Um, I think he had, uh, I think it was three top five finishes in the Masters in a five-year span, if I remember correctly. And uh, he was really obsessed with the place. I mean, it was his green jacket, tunnel vision. He built these clay models that he did from memory of all the greens out there. Okay, oh, wow. so he probably had like a photographic memory. And he did these clay models that he would sit at home and study the contours of the greens based off of his memories. And the legend is, is that those clay models still exist, and they're somewhere up in the archives at Augusta National. Um, I don't, I don't know that for sure, but I've had some people in the know tell me that they think they're down there, um, which is pretty neat. And um, like I said, we have, uh, you know, both. If you look at it from the Tallahassee lens or the FSU connection, we've come very close. Oh yeah, numerous occasions to having winners uh, in Augusta. Poor old Hubert Green, great Seminole. He missed a five-footer in 1978 on 18 that would have tied Gary Player. Uh, the, the legend there is he went back out after everybody left and tried that five-footer and missed it five more times in a row. Probably You, you think it haunted him much? <laughs> I, would say, I tell you this, though. If I go back out after everybody leaves, Jay, and I miss five more times, it wasn't yeah. meant to be. wasn't meant to be. <laughs> Pretty rough. Pretty rough, yeah. And, you know, Augusta's different, man. I mean, because it has this lifelong invitation, because you get to go tonight's what, Tuesday. Mm -hmm. the, you, you win, you get the jacket, you go to the dinner every year, your family's there every year, you're at the par three. It's this illustrious thing. And I heard something great the other day. It's like the minute you start thinking about slipping on that jacket prematurely, that's the minute it's over. I always that's think about poor old Kenny Perry, two shot lead, two holes to go. Bogey, bogey, finish, loses in a playoff. I mean, he was he was slated to be the uh, grand uh, uh, parade master at the Kentucky Derby or whatever, and he's thinking about the green jacket on and waving everybody and the roses yeah. and everything, and then boom, it's gone. So you, touched on something, you touched on something, Jay, and it gets back to the mental side of the game. There's so much of it. It's mostly mental. 
yeah. it's mostly mental. Once you find your swing, it's mostly mental. And, and you know, Arnie famously said, swing your swing. Well, I mean, everybody's swing is different. So if you find yours, great. Once you do, it's all about what's here. Can you swing away when it's on the line? Yeah. And what's on the line is also up to you. You know, it's, is, is it my is it my best score ever at Capital City Country Club? Is it I'm going to win an amateur event? Is it I'm about to slip on a green jacket? And I, I've always wondered, Jay, and I watch. We're going to watch the Masters. No more pressure in the world than than on a Sunday at Augusta with the guys yeah. in contention. How do you not think about it? How if you have a one shot lead and we go into Amen Corner or you know here we sit at 16 or something, and I'm thinking. I'm I'm two holes away from a dream and from a membership that you just talked about that is lifetime and unique to so few people. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, you see it. I mean, like I said, there are everything about people like Ernie Els, you know, great, you know, generational player came this close on a number of occasions. Uh, it, it haunts these guys. I mean, and you can tell, you can see it in their face when they get older and they, people ask them about it. But, you know, the trick is, um, you know, when you study, you know, the greats, it's all about staying in the present, you know. Uh, all you can do is focus on one shot at a time. And, you know, you see some people that you, you get the sense that they're, like, totally disconnected from the game between shots, right? I mean, I always think about Brooks Kepka. Sometimes he looks like he'd rather be, like, going to a game or something than, than being, a, you know, right there in the mix. But um, I, I think a lot of times the best players, you either have – you kind of got one or two options. You're either going to have the Jack Nicholas tunnel vision, Tiger Woods tunnel vision, laser focus. You don't even realize anyone else is out there or you're someone who can get to the shot, have that deep focus, and then go back to talking about, you know, baseball and race car, whatever, whatever you're into. Right. And um, we see, I feel like nowadays you see more of the latter. Uh, You see more of the younger guys, you know, they're thinking they're laughing, they're having fun, but when they get over the shot, uh, they get really focused, but it's it's interesting, man. This youth movement in golf uh, is here. I mean, you know, you, you, the best players in the world now are all under twenty five. Uh, you look at that top ten in the world; um, they've all been. We've sort of been hearing lots about uh, the younger generation coming on strong. They're here, and they're the best. And they're, you know, I think this is a year where it's very rare to see a first time appearance uh, winner at Augusta. Haven't happened since Fuzzy Zeller, uh, you know, 40 years ago, but I think there's a very good chance you could see that this year. Scotty Scheffler's playing some of the best golf in the world. Obviously Colin Morikawa was already, you know, well, I'd say it wouldn't be his first appearance, excuse me, but you've got uh, quite a few Sam Burns uh, who's lighting the world on fire right now. You got quite a few guys that are, First-time parents, they're under the age of 25. I think there's a very strong chance one of those guys slips on the green jacket on Sunday. I think it's interesting about that, Jay, is they don't ask for permission because coming out, <laughs> uh, they don't. They don't care. And and I've had a good, the good fortune of interviewing a lot of these guys or their coaches in college, and they all talk about these kids. I think a lot of it has to do with, at least in college golf these days, you're playing the same courses a lot of times the pros play. Mm-hmm. That didn't used to be the case at all. Yeah. You didn't get to play congressional. You didn't get to play at these elite courses. Now you do. Now there are all these invitationals and events that these schools host, and they do it up. They're playing in you know professional courses, same distances. They grow out rough. They do all those things. And I also think you hit on something interesting, Jay, that maybe the modern player – is capable of dealing with the kinds of distractions we're talking about for two reasons. A, they grow up distracted. Yeah. Social media does that, 
right? That's you're constantly having to do multiple things or concentrate on multiple things. And B, the money is so great. What do they care? Yeah. If you won a few times, you're 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 set for life. Oh, yeah. And you know, now all of a sudden the idea of not winning at Augusta, so what I got forty million dollars in a net jet. I'm all right. You know, it's yeah. not the end of the world. So I, I wonder if that helps ease some of that or create a situation where you can multitask easier. I don't know how it couldn't. I mean, I, I think your point about social media and growing up distracted is spot on. Uh, we all feel like we're juggling multitasking, you know, a hundred miles an hour every day. And these kids, it's just, just normal, right? I mean, it's just the way that they have always grown up. I mean, again, you, you're talking about, you know, the guys that are dominating on tour right now, they were born in the late nineties and early two thousand. Right? I mean, they've been <laughs> since day one. It's crazy. And, you know, I mean, they were born when I was in college. It's nuts. And so, you know, you've got this situation where they're they're mentally dialed in for that. You talk about the money, you know, the 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 players championship this year, a twenty million dollar purse for one term. It's insane. It's insane. I mean, you know, third place, you're gonna make more than most people make in their career. Oh, uh, it's yeah. it's a totally different ball game. And the other piece of it is, you know, think about, you know, Rory McElroy. I mean, Rory's what in his you know, mid, late thirties now. I mean, Rory feels kind of ancient. I mean, he's still one of the best in the world, but he feels ancient. He's been around forever. Right. And, you know, Rory won four majors in a very short span of time, uh, which is not uncommon. You know, the the, the, the idea of a, of a Tiger career, a Phil career, where you're winning doesn't happen. Majors, it doesn't happen. is very rare. You see some people, like in history, you know, a Marco Mira type that gets hot one season, picks off two majors, and he's 40. And that's kind of his legacy. But more times than not, you see these short spans of really good golf, and yet that's your opportunity to strike. You know, Brooks Kepka got four majors in basically three years. Does he win any more? Maybe he's got the game. But at the same time, you also question the motivation, right? You question how much you're really going to be going to grind to go win that fifth major. Um, and I think you see a lot of these guys now who realize this is their time, this is their window. A Colin Morikawa was a great example. He's now picked off two majors two years in a row. I think he's hungry and he's he's ready to go get a few more. And these other guys right behind him are just as hungry. The, the guys that, again, if you're going to put your money somewhere, put your money on the hungry ones. Um, experience still matters a lot, but you got to be able to look and tell whether those guys are hungry because you know how it is, man. Whether, whether No matter what you're doing, whether you're calling shows you know, on the radio – or you're trying to be a 10 handicapper. It takes dedication. It takes commitment. You got to be hungry. You got to want it. And so I'm looking at the Masters this year, and as I'm pulling out my uh, my pool players, I'm trying to go, okay, who's hungry? Who wants it? And um, who's going to go out there and get something done that you might not expect? He's the author of Swing, Walk, Repeat, also The Nine Virtues of Golf. You can read his missives pretty much on the regular if you find him on social media pretty much everywhere right jay and of course he's tallahassee's own and he's a historian he's frequently on our airwaves as well we appreciate you joining us today the week of the masters and i'll be in touch with you here real soon i'll see you over at capital city country club or thereabouts and uh, it's great talking to you jay i appreciate it. i'm glad we got to do this buddy yeah me too man look forward to uh, getting a couple beers on the veranda soon ah mm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. 
Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.